Hi, welcome to MediatorPodcast.com, a podcast and video series about mediation, negotiation, and collaboration. My name is Melissa Gregg, and I provide online valuation, divorce, and mediation services in St. Louis, Missouri. In this week's episode, we will discuss how to be financially prepared for mediation with Karen Shalou. For over 30 years, Karen has worked in the legal field as a paralegal and business manager. She's an affiliate member of the American Bar Association in the Dispute Resolution Committee, and she's a certified quadro administrator. She also owns a company called My Divorce Solutions, which typically includes a team of professionals Uh, including a certified divorce financial analyst, and they develop your financial portrait. And so this is a document that contains financial data that any couple would need in order to make clear decisions for their future. So as a legal liaison and a quadro administrator, she helps support your legal team and facilitate other connections with resources. Amazing background. Welcome, Karen. How are you? I'm great. Thank you for having me. Yeah. And I think that, you know, some of the things that people have questions initially is like, what are the the first five things or the, the ways that you need to be financially prepared to even enter into mediation um, and and realistically even litigation? Right. That's absolutely true. Um, it's actually entering into the divorce process. Um, getting prepared is critical. And you'll never thank yourself enough for taking these steps. So the very first question most people ask is, where do I get the information? Do I have access? So knowing the documents you have access to and why they're important and the documents you don't have access to is the very first step you would take. So we tell a lot of people, you know, start copying bank statements Anything and everything you can find, really the most critical document you would want to have in hand are your tax returns past three years. They give financial um, advisors so much information and probably the most critical information from which your other account statements will support that. Um, So having access to your financial data and documentation is important. And we find that a lot of couples entering the divorce process they really um, have an intention of working things out. So if you can start working together with your spouse before things go off the rails, as we say, it's a great time to start um, having that access that you will, will not have once the battle lines are drawn. Well, and I think that most people kind of start thinking about the process of divorce, maybe a lot longer before they tell the other person. And so that's when paying attention to the mail becomes important, paying attention to, um, you know, or asking questions about like, where's the mortgage or where are the car and auto loans? Um, But there are a lot of components to the marital estate. And so what are kind of the things that they should keep in the back of their mind of what to look for, right? Yeah, that's, that's excellent. And knowing the components is super important. So we usually take people through a checklist that are divided into categories. The first category is your real estate. So do you own real estate? You need deeds, mortgages, mortgage statements, pretty much anything you can find. Um, Checking account statements, investment accounts um, are very important statements. 
Um, a lot of people think that their investment accounts could be comprised of, let's just say 50 accounts. That's not necessarily true. So if you just have account statements, year-end statements are very important. Um, a lot of people are involved in Bitcoin now. So if you mm -hmm. see anything that looks like cryptocurrency, that's important. Um, so that's the second category. I'm doing this off the top of my head. Um, retirement accounts. So your 401ks, your pensions, um, 403bs, they come in a lot of different formats, of course. Um, so boy, <laughs> trying to think of all the different categories. Well, um, and I think that it it is, you know, pensions and profit sharing and, you know, compensation yeah. packages. But I think that you also touched on something important. Year-end statements mm -hmm. from brokerage accounts and things give a lot more detail sometimes right. or all the detail from the whole year. So those are really important. Right. Um, especially right now that we're kind of at the beginning of a year, you know, like you can, those statements should have been coming in, things right. like that. Do you own a business? Does your spouse own a business? Do you own it together? Are there third parties involved? Um, that's very important. Inheritances play a, a big role in uh, the division of marital assets and whether or not what portion of them is marital or not marital. Um, so knowing the components of the marital estate is very important because once you know the components, you can start looking for the documents and you can start creating an awareness of what you have. And you mentioned the um, executive compensation if you or your spouse are highly paid um, executives. All of those benefits do factor into the division of marital assets. So again, knowing the components is very important um, because then you can start looking for the appropriate documentation to support um, those different components. Well, and I think that people, um, will sometimes think, okay, well, um, my name is on this and, and this is mine. Okay. This is my car. This is his car. Um, yes. this is my account. Well, I had this before the marriage, you know, I had a call, um, yesterday that was about two businesses, right? Mm -hmm. One business was purchased after the marriage and one business was purchased before the marriage. And so the person was like, well, I don't think we have to worry about the before because that's just, that was mine. And I think that making those assumptions is probably not, you know, like really making assumptions that limit the amount of documents that you collect is probably not great at the beginning because at the beginning, you just want to give your professionals all the information. You know, so when he said that to me, I was like, mm, you might have to still look at that first business because if they claim that it's not separate, you're going to have to prove it. And they, and, and he didn't know that, you know, so yeah. don't make assumptions about those like kind of financial components and what they mean to this process. Just collect, you know, it exists, get the statement, you That's know, it's there. Try yes, to get it. That's yeah. exactly correct. Because even if something was created, let's just say after the date of separation, um, if marital monies were used to purchase that asset or to contribute to that asset, that could definitely become marital. A lot of people make, to your point, assumptions about prenup or postnup agreements that all of a sudden they say, well, it was in a prenup or postnup. You know, that 
could or could not be true. So to your point, that's a very good point. Just collect the data and let the professionals interpret what the data means. Because sometimes I think when people go through this divorce process, they don't want to bring up an issue. You know, like, I don't want to bring up that issue because what if that wasn't an issue? And that's not really, I mean, there's a lot of legal ramifications that are attached to a divorce Mm -hmm. and how the, you know, even your investment accounts, you know, I had a client um, this week that was like, I thought it would be so easy. Like, this is what I owned at the date of marriage. So there's some income and things. Just take that out, split that up. And then all the rest is mine. He's like, was that, is that naive of me? And I was like, well, it is naive um, a little bit, but it's also because you haven't gone through this process, you know, before. And so there is more of a process and each state is different. Right. So income and appreciation on assets, regardless of whether it's a business or a, some sort of an other account mm-hmm. is treated differently. So you can't, and unless you know all of that right now, you're just in the right. collection phase, right? Yes. Right. Get as much data as you know. <laughs> right. And then from that collection, the components can be identified because you may or may not even know what a component is. And a lot of people, to your point as well, take the position, well, he said that's his retirement account or that's her credit card bill. Well, you know, that's for later discussion. Let's just get the documents and data in our hands right now and we can put it all together so that you can better understand what the marital estate is comprised of. Um, and from there, you can decide what's his and hers or so forth yeah, and, and so on. And part of it is deciding who keeps what. You know, it's not buying somebody out of this car or this house and things like that. But I think another interesting um, part that people don't always understand is the components that we can see even on the payroll records, like Mm W-2s. Like, do you have an accountant that's doing your tax returns? That accountant will typically have um, their work papers. So they may have copies of your prior W-2s, copies of statements. Mm -hmm. But even on the W-2 or a pay stub, we might see a small payment to a 401k We might see a small payment to a pension. We might see other types of activity that to the regular person, they're just looking at the top number, but we're trying to find little, little clues Mm -hmm. of where to find, or, or even that other assets exist, right? Yeah, right. Payout of options, grants, um, they'll show up on a W-2, um, K-1s are important, 1099s are very important, especially when it comes to passive income. A lot of people don't realize that passive income actually factors into, um, you know, the divorce discussions and the support numbers and so forth. So we get a lot of, especially having business owners, we get a lot of people that um, don't necessarily understand distributions, right? Mm-hmm. They understand the, the, that it's a concept, it's cash flow coming out of a business. Um, but what they don't understand is that that distribution is not going to show up on your personal tax return. And so you're going to have to go and get the K-1 from the business or have the business tax returns and information um, in order to understand the true cash flow to the marriage. So that's when a lot of people are like, well, it doesn't, it looks like he doesn't, you know, he, she doesn't make a lot of money, but we lived a great life. 
you know, we have a million dollar house and we have all these cars and vacation home. Like, Mm -hmm. how did we possibly survive on $30,000 of salary? Right. And that's part of the collection of data. Like, we have to figure that out, you know, what's going to happen. Another thing, too, is um, we always ask, well, our divorce checklist and assessment is very extensive and comprehensive. It's it's a, there's a lot of documents that could potentially comprise your marital estate. But a lot of times I'll ask about pending lawsuits. Most people have zero concept that that could even remotely impact their marital estate. Um, but even things like that can impact your estate where you would have no idea. So knowing the components is incredibly important. And the list is fairly long of what a, could be a component of your marital estate. And a lot of times, traditionally, you know, you might have two people that have jobs or wages, maybe, or one person stays at home, one person works, you might have a house, two cars, and maybe a retirement account. I think people get a little bit confused with the retirement account. You know, they're like, well, I don't want to get penalized. I don't want to pay taxes. Like, what's what's going to happen? And that kind of gets us to, you know, I said earlier, that you were a quadro specialist and people are probably like, what the heck is that? Right. So what is a quadro or qualified domestic relations order? Right. So that is a specific order and process that couples have to engage in post-divorce to divide certain retirement accounts. Um, Usually the 401ks, the pensions, um, anything that's ERISA regulated. So, um, it's a it's an order. Um, it requires the plan administrator to participate in that. A lot of people think that you separate IRAs with quadros. No, you don't. Um, and so sometimes we'll have the discussion with couples. If you have some 401ks running around out there from prior employers because you've never taken the opportunity or um, you know, never taking the time to roll those over into IRAs, dividing quadros, can, I mean, dividing retirement accounts, 401ks can be very expensive in the divorce process. So we work with clients uh, with that. Um, <clears throat> another thing specific to quadros is we always like to make sure that um, the components of the quadro is discussed in the mediation because they become very important as it relates to who gets what. So a lot of people say, okay, well, I have a 401k, I'm going to divide it 50-50, but what if there were loans? Or do you get the gains and losses? Um, Can someone retire early and not the other person if it's a pension? There's a lot of different questions that need to be considered. And part of our financial portrait lays those out specific to your or to the couple's retirement account so that they're asking those questions and mediations and working that out before the marital settlement agreement or the memorandum of understanding is completed so that things don't fall apart uh, when they're trying to get this through to the plan administrator and getting the actual accounts divided. And, And part of it is there is a cost. You know, it does cost money to basically tell the administrator of that account to split it up and how to split it up and where it goes and things like that. So it always isn't as economical to split all the accounts down the middle. You know, that's where it becomes a little bit more unique. If you know the financial picture, 
you can kind of determine some more efficient ways to deal with it. But that kind of leads me to a question, you know, a, a couple or an individual or an attorney or mediator, really a lot of what you are doing is helping with the discovery process. And it is such an abomination sometimes to get documents and subpoenas and depositions and depositions of records and all of these crazy things. But if somebody is just kind of contemplating divorce, may not have a ton of access to the financial records, how do they start to work with you? Or if they're an attorney or mediator, like how, how does that process work? So I, I just want to briefly say what what the it is. So the portrait is a compilation of the financial data supported by the document. So historically, people will put together their net worth statements and say, this is our marital estate. You usually have one spouse or the other that loves that net worth spreadsheet. Um, and then in the legal world, the attorneys or mediators, they're really fo focused on the documents because they need those documents to evidence what you think the marital estate is or what you want. So when you go to your attorney or your mediator, you say, I want A, B, C, and D, please go get this for me. So they need the documentation to support it. So we created the MDS financial portrait to integrate the financial data with the documents to support it so that everybody, clients and their professionals are all working from the same reference point. So for either a client um, or an attorney to work with us, um, the, typically the couple will come through our website or we'll work with them uh, with a, a consult to identify the components of their marital estate. Because from that, we, we talk it through with them and we develop a flat fee. So from that flat fee, they are then delivered um, their property reports, they have all their key and supporting documents in an inventory. We talked about what all of the marital estate means. So that's um, delivered in what's called a table of recommendations and considerations so that if you do have five 401ks, we recommend how to be most efficient with the division of those accounts in relationship to the couple's decision on the percentage of how they're going to divide that. If you're selling real estate, if you have a business, you know, do you need evaluation? Do you need to call Melissa Gregg and get evaluation? That will all be on the report, why we make those recommendations and how to get that done so that when you're going to the mediator, not only, or the attorney, not only do you have the components of your marital estate right in front of you with the documents to support, but you also know the issues that have to be addressed to get you to the finish line. So that is the MTS portrait end to end. And it all starts with either a call to our office, an email to hello at mydivorcesolution.com or directly through the website where you'll take a quiz and um, you know we just go from there. Well, and I think that that is very helpful. The other thing that I will mention is that preparation in the divorce process, regardless of what option you decide to do, mediation or litigation or, or just talking it through with your spouse, the preparation is key because you really can't make any good financial decisions unless you can see the whole picture. And that comes with communication and clarity um, to help you decide. But the reality is 
attorneys are expensive and mediators are expensive. And when you both get attorneys and then you both get experts and then you both start sending subpoenas and you both are doing all of this crazy stuff, you're diluting the amount of money that you're going to have to split at the end. And so it may seem like this is like, you know, I can, I can kind of get my documents together. Um, but a lot of times you don't know what you don't know and you don't know what you're going to miss. You don't know what you should be looking for. And if you can be really efficient at the beginning, I think that the, uh, it will cost less for the attorney to do that same process, you know, and if you're paying a lot of money for the attorney per hour to do that process, this is a much more efficient, uh, way to do it. Right. It's much more efficient financially, but it's also much more efficient emotionally because when you can come to the table knowing what you have, what you want and what your options are, you you already know your bandwidth for compromise and every divorce is going to come with compromise. So you know what any piece of compromise means to your end result. In addition, a lot of couples come through and they think they're going to go to their attorney afterwards. But once they have the financial clarity, there's it neutralizes the adversity. Mm-hmm. So it allows them to mediate more effectively. And it really, um, t- you know, takes down that whole o- stress and overwhelm um, mm-hmm. because they're, they're both working. It's back-based. It's, you know, it's definitely a financial transaction. Um, there's a lot of things that may need to be negotiated or maybe um, one attorney or the other will interpret the data a little bit differently. But for the most part, it is what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, um, so that's why this portrait is so beneficial and helpful to start with. Again, to your point of saving a lot of money. I just had an attorney tell me recently that she um, she concluded that most couples spend about $100,000 a piece in the discovery process with an estate. I think it was an estate more than a million dollars, but irrespective of that, that's 20 how many more thousand dollars too much? Let's just say $80,000 too much to spend. Um, Well, because the process is to send subpoenas to the actual institution that has your account. It's not sending something to your spouse necessarily. It's, Mm -hmm. it's how, you know, how much are we fighting and how much do we have to go through different channels? So I think it's all good information. The reality is people can get divorced any way that they want. Mm -hmm. And you can choose based on your own kind of relationship. If you if you think or if you want to try to do this, the the fact of the matter is most people want to spend as little money getting divorced as they can, because there may not be a lot there anyway. And so that process, I think, is really helped when you work with people who create some efficiencies. And that's what we all try to do in this space. Absolutely. Um, Especially when you're dividing debt as well, just knowing what that is, you don't need to spend a lot of money dividing debt. No. So definitely they should reach out. If somebody's kind of considering getting divorced, um, go to mydivorcesolution.com and you can get more information. Also a huge, huge uh, resource for attorneys and mediators. 
that I think, you know, you can help uh, even them be more efficient. So um, I would encourage anybody kind of in this space as a professional to also reach out to you and just see if it's something, if there's some synergies, right? Sure, absolutely. And actually, we do work with a lot of attorneys and mediators because once they have experienced a client coming through our process, it allows them to be so much more um, able to quickly help their clients and advocate for what the knowns are and help them get to where they want to be. So uh, we have, we do. So the clients will just come through our process. We deliver them back. Um, Catherine, our CDFA, she delivers the portrait with all the explanations, answers the questions, and then their professional can help them out, whether it's the mediator or the attorney. Um, so we definitely do bridge the gap from the client to the professional when we're working directly with the professional. Awesome. Such good information. Thank you so much today, Karen. We appreciate it. Thanks for having me.